0: They don't care about your 900 years of combined experience or your wall of books. They only wanna know one thing. Once they've signed on the dotted line, are you going to take care of them? Welcome to the Judge Shaw way, where we believe providing an exceptional client experience is just as important as quality legal representation. From secret tips for creating unforgettable wow moments to proven customer service pointers, The Judge Shaw Way is everything you need to go from being a good lawyer to owning a great brand.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Judge Shaw. Welcome to the launch of our first episode of my podcast, The Judge Shaw Way. This podcast season's 10 episodes focuses on delivering an excellent customer service. Many people consider themselves entrepreneurs. I like to consider myself an intrapreneur. Understanding that a great client experience starts with how our company treats our clients. I'll be hosting industry experts providing proven customer service pointers, as well as some secret inside tips to creating unforgettable wow moments for your customers. At the end of each episode, I'll provide our contact information and I welcome any of you to send questions or comments. Be sure to ask us to send you some merch from my personal injury law firm, Judge Shaw Injury Law. You'll also be entered to receive a free copy of my book coming out titled, The Judge Shaw Way. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Glenn Fleischacker about showing empathy. As you'll come to hear, Dr. Fleischacker is a seasoned and experienced professional in the medical field. I hope you enjoyed this discussion. I'm here with my guest, Dr. Glenn Fleischacker. Welcome, doctor. It's good to see you. Likewise, man. How do you feel about being the first guest on my podcast?
2: I'm looking forward to it. I'm honored. and I hope I uh, set the bar uh, high for all your future guests.
1: I'm sure you will. Doctor, you're an anesthesiologist for many years now, serving New York and surrounding areas in private practice, uh, working within the hospital setting, but I'm sure there's a better background you could give the listeners about yourself.
2: Sure, yeah. I'm a a board-certified anesthesiologist uh, working at a community hospital part of the Northwell system on Long Island. Uh, I've been uh, an attending anesthesiologist there for the past 26 years uh, with a four-year residency, so that's uh, 30 years of doing uh, doing this.
1: Excellent. And I describe to my listeners, after 26 years, you're certainly a seasoned and experienced expert in uh, showing empathy, particularly in the medical field. We often hear about the need for empathy. No doubt you've witnessed this in one form or another. The manager who can't relate to the struggles of his team and vice versa, an employee not being able to relate to customers' frustrations or issues. Even a company as a whole that's perceived to be careless about how the customer feels about their level of service or the product itself. But if we really wanna connect with our customers' perspective and feelings, Why do we often fail to do that for them? Frankly, I think many companies aren't willing to invest in those resources for too many. And even when we're motivated to show empathy, doing so isn't really easy. So let's get to it. Showing empathy. My own experience, doctor, when it comes to sales and customer service, empathy really plays a huge role. Dealing with customers, especially if they have a problem or a complaint. Can be solved much faster and easier by using empathetic statements, being patient, and showing consideration. So, doctor, can you tell us about how you use empathy in your job and its importance?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, my patients come to the hospital uh, awaiting surgery, awaiting uh, the anesthetic for that, and uh, invariably uh, everybody is nervous or anxious to a certain extent. I've been there myself on the other end, and uh, my job, uh, aside from just uh, putting him to sleep and waking them up, is to give them the best experience possible. I want them to be comfortable and confident uh, preoperatively, treat them appropriately intraoperatively, and hopefully give them a good experience afterwards where they're comfortable, pain free, hopefully not nauseous or vomiting, and uh, get to go home quickly. So you do the best you can to put yourself in their shoes when you're speaking to them and allay uh, all of their concerns.
1: So ultimately, what is the goal between, for instance, you who try every day to use empathy for your patients as opposed to somebody who doesn't?
2: You know, I see it myself uh, every day where we have some uh, junior uh, associates who just haven't had the experience uh, that I've had or some of my other uh, senior colleagues, uh, where they just don't have the experience to appreciate uh, what the uh, patient is experiencing or going through or the level of anxiety, and that we can impart to them, hopefully, and improve uh, their ability to. Uh, communicate with their patients and uh, develop the empathy that you uh, need to have in this job. Uh, You're not born with all of that knowledge. You have empathy, but you have to cultivate it and nurture it and live and experience um, doing your job and hopefully uh, develop uh, the ability through trial and error sometimes, uh, the ability to uh, speak to your patient and figure out what they need to hear Uh, to make them comfortable and uh, ready to go. So you'd agree that this is
1: a learned skill. Um, We all probably are born with the ability to show empathy, but as you noted from a junior uh, associate to a senior guy doing this for a very long time, you learn this over time. It's not something you're just an expert with and you have it or you don't. You're applying your experience Uh, you're applying what you learn about the result of how you're applying empathy or whether you are successfully showing empathy. It sounds like that's a a learned thing over time.
2: No doubt, no doubt. Um, Whether it be personally or professionally, um, as you live and and encounter different experiences through life, you're able to put yourself in the other person's shoes. I mean, you've lived it yourself uh, in some cases.
1: Right, I have to ask you, What's the background of your last name? If, if, it's spelled, if I get this correct, F L E I S C H H A C K E R. Did I get that right?
2: That's correct. Wow. All
1: right. So, so what's the background of that name?
2: Uh, well, it's from uh, the uh, German-Austrian Austria uh, Austrian area. Uh, it's really two words, Fleisch, which means meat, and Hacker, which means hack or chop. So I believe it comes from a butcher uh, background.
1: It's probably very good that you have those combined as an anesthesiologist instead of Dr. Hacker.
2: Yes, and it's a good thing I'm not a surgeon because anybody who understands the meaning of the name uh, certainly doesn't want to butcher working on him, right? That's right. Wow. So making a dinner reservation over the
1: phone, I'd imagine uh, you either say something like Dr. Fly or you have to ultimately go through the spelling multiple times. What, what do you do? What's the secret?
2: I really cut it down. There's just too many letters. Or I use my wife's maiden name, which is only four letters.
1: <laughs> See? Again, it's a learned skill over time.
2: That's it. Live and learn.
1: You know, doctor, to feel and display empathy, it's not necessary to share the same experiences or circumstances as others. I mean, sometimes we just don't have that experience. For instance, I have a client who may have been in a flipped over vehicle after an accident. The car caught on fire uh, and ultimately they had to go to the hospital. That has not ever... Uh, I've never been in that situation. However, I have other clients who have. And so my being able to show empathy is not based on the fact that I have those experiences or I shared that circumstance, but rather through my experience dealing it with other clients, as well as being able to understand certain phrases or statements that are putting myself in their shoes right? It's sort of like an attempt to better understand the other person by getting to know their perspective. So how, how do you use empathy with so many different type of patients that, that come to you? For instance, some may have a fear, uh, a different type of procedure, their history, their medical condition, and so many other variables. Well,
2: again, it comes down to experience. So you have to be able to will read your patient. The specific procedure uh, is not to me as important as the fact that they're coming for an anesthetic. Certainly you add the procedure into the equation. Someone's probably going to be, have a higher level of anxiety if they've never had surgery before and they're going for a major surgery versus someone who's had multiple surgeries, maybe something even major in the past, and now is having something relatively minor. And they, those patients are easy. They're like, hey, doc, let's just do this. I love anesthesia. Let's go to sleep. Uh, it's the best sleep I ever had. Uh, I get through this fine every time. And uh, then you have the flip side where you have a patient who's like, hey, I'm, I'm coming in for this big procedure. It's the first time I've ever had it. I'm really nervous. So again, as you discussed with your example, I've had taken care of thousands of patients over the years, and you use that database to determine as best you can, as quickly as you can, what you think your patient needs, and uh, from an empathetic standpoint, you know you've been there before. You know whether you've had it yourself, either anesthesia or that specific procedure, you can certainly relate to their concerns and and target your treatment of them and your discussion with them to hopefully allay their concerns and and give them confidence in what they're about to experience.
1: Is there a difference between Talking to a child, I mean, you're even a parent of two amazing kids. Is there a difference between talking to a, you know, a, a minor or young kid as opposed to talking to somebody older who can understand perhaps a little more of what you're talking about?
2: Yeah, well, at that point, you're juggling. You're at the bedside. You got your, the kid sitting in the stretcher on your left who's five years old going for their tonsils. And you got mom and dad looking over your shoulder as you're examining them. And then you're talking to mom and dad in one language. And then you're talking to the kid in another language. You know, meaning that you you know you're speaking to a five year old. You got to speak to a five year old, explain to them only what they need to know without getting them more scared. They're already scared stiff. They're starving. You know, they haven't had anything to eat or drink. They're in a strange place. Someone's going to stick an IV in them. You know, maybe maybe not. And then uh, you got mom and dad who have all their anxieties. You know, they got their, their beautiful baby ready to go into surgery. They can't be with them. You know, it's, all, it's all those that whole dynamic you're, you're trying to manage, you know,
1: it really is such a good point. Right. That if you if you're not using empathy um, correctly or well, you can actually make the situation worse.
2: Oh, you can definitely, uh, these situations get out of control sometimes. I mean, it's just, it's a snowball effect, you know, and one thing's playing off another. It doesn't even have to be a kid. It could be a demented, you know, elderly parent going for a hip fracture. And then you got the, uh, you know, the annoying daughter from Woodbury who thinks she knows everything. And, you know, you're trying to talk to her and then mom's not listening. You're trying to get a history and then mom's, you know, the patient's getting anxious and calling out of bed and the mom. You know, mom's trying to put you back in bed. And you're trying to think history. It's just, it's like, ah, what's going on here? You know, so you you're managing a lot. You got you juggling a lot. You know, with the kid. You know, the kid's nervous. You got to get consent from the parents. You got to tell them all the risks to a certain extent while not letting the kid hear it. You know, it, there's a lot of uh, back and forth that uh, you're trying to manage. You know, you're whispering. You're trying to speak to this one one way, you speak to this person another way. Try not to get the parents too nervous, but you got to tell them the truth. There's you got to learn how to play it you know, just tell them enough, (laughs) I guess. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. Uh, Just sort of uh, be an active listener, understand the issue uh, and and address it in a, in a empathetic way that shows all parties that it's going to be okay. Otherwise it, it, you know, I understand that it could just become much worse. What, between all these thousands of patients, have you found a common thread between what they are most concerned with in undergoing anesthesia.
2: Yeah, I ask my patients all the time, particularly the ones that actually verbalize that they're scared. And a lot of times they're more scared of the anesthesia than they are of the surgery. They'll say, listen, you're the one who scares me. You know, uh, I'm very concerned about this. And uh, you're the most important person in the room, quote unquote. You know, you hear that a lot. And uh, i simply ask them, what are you most nervous about? And it varies, you know? I mean, some say, I don't want to feel anything during the surgery. Uh, some will say I'm worried about waking up in pain. Uh, statistically, actually, the most common concern amongst patients is the fear of vomiting after surgery for whatever reason, something that I didn't even appreciate. And, uh, you know, we saw these studies and, they, and you hear these patients say it, and we reassure them that they get medication to prevent that, uh, as, although it's not 100% effective. You uh, most of the time uh, it's it's not it's a non-issue for them, and if they do have an issue, we'll treat it quickly afterwards. So, again, tying this in with what you've been
1: discussing, uh, somebody who's just starting out may not know that vomiting is a common fear among patients who are about to undergo anesthesia, as opposed to you who have now heard it time and time and time again. And although you may not have vomited in your situation of undergoing any surgery or, or anesthesia, but have learned how to address that concern, how to step in their shoes and make them feel more comfortable about that an- anxious uh, a- anxiety that they're feeling.
2: Yeah, sure. Because one, you know, uh, although they may not even verbalize it sometimes, you Learn to tell your your discussion with them or your summation at the end. Uh, a lot of patients won't even mention it. They're, they're, they may come across as not even anxious, but I address it anyway because I know it's a common concern, and when I summarize at the end of my discussion with them, I say, listen, you know, you're going to get pain medicine. You're going to get nausea prevention medication. Uh, you're going to wake up comfortable and feel good, and whatever does bother you, if anything, which we don't anticipate, we're going to treat for you quickly. So that really calms them down and they're grateful for that. So, again, the experience of doing, you know, tens of thousands of cases and tailoring your technique over the years, uh, you learn uh, what is of a concern to the, per- to the patient and you address it uh, ahead of the time. So if that can be applied in, in, in your personal life as
1: well, there are differences between bad golfers and good golfers. Um, You've been playing golf for so many years, maybe 30 plus years. Um, Why have you not been able to apply your bad shots and your prior golfing skills to become better at it?
2: Uh, That's a low, that's a low blow. Uh, Well, uh, (laughs) as we age and and our physical abilities uh, deteriorate, uh, we have a built-in excuse not to get better over time, despite trying harder. So uh, I would have to chalk it up to uh, to age.
1: You know, I like, doctor, that you have uh, an excuse for it, which is why anytime I play with you, you take so many strokes from me. <laughs>
2: you,
1: you know, doctor, what's the difference between empathy and sympathy?
2: Again, not being a psychiatrist or psychologist, but the, my uh, interpretation, my understanding of it is that empathy uh, is an emotional an emotional investment uh, in your feeling with the person uh, that you're dealing with, where you, uh, as they say, you know, put yourself in their shoes or have actually experienced what they're experiencing and can appreciate what they're feeling and feel with them, as opposed to sympathy, which is acknowledging that uh, they're going through a struggle or have a concern and you Say that you're concerned about them. You're sorry for their struggles, uh, but you don't have that same emotional investment. I know you lost your father recently, and you were very close
1: to him, Doctor. What in in that experience? What would be the difference between your experience with people showing empathy and sympathy?
2: Great question. We, you know, of course, we received received a tremendous amount of uh, sympathy cards. Right, you go to the. uh, You know, the card store and they have the sympathy card section in the in the rack of cards. They don't have the empathy card section. Right. And uh, the cards are preprinted. You know, I'm sorry for your loss. Sincere condolence. That's sympathy to me as defined by the card itself. Right. Uh, But then those who knew my dad and knew us and uh, wrote uh, something extra below the preprinted type. We are sorry if you lost, you know, we lost our dad last year as well. I know what you're feeling, I know what you're going through. So that's the empathetic portion of of the card, the the handwritten stuff. So that's a pretty good uh, pretty good example. I I like that example.
1: I do too. I I find that sympathy appears to be more dismissive to uh, listening uh, or understanding their situation, showing that you care having positive statements that relate to empathy, right? So the difference would be, uh, I'm sorry, your father is in a better place now. Right? To me, how ridiculous can that be when the only best place he could be is with you, right? As to empathy, which are some statements saying, um, I can understand how difficult this may be, or um, my, my dearest um, prayers and thoughts are with you during this difficult
2: time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, empathy uh, definitely fuels connections between people. Sympathy is fine. You know, sympathy is good. Sometimes you don't have the same experience that they've had or you can't put yourself in their shoes. Um, and it's nice to get the acknowledgement. Now, listen, we have, you know, peripheral friends that have sent sent the sympathy pods. I'm grateful that they acknowledged that I was going through a struggle. You know, my family was going through a struggle. but. True relationships, you know, closer relationships, not true relationships, but closer relationships, uh, you build that empathetic bond, you know, and uh, that's important. It takes it to another level.
1: That's a great example. You know, I find even in my business, whether customers are calling about a problem or a complaint about their situation, they can't get in with the doctor, um, they are having problems with their insurance company, and we remind them how we will deal with everything. make their life easier so they can concentrate on what's most important which is getting back to their health our clients then feel heard they feel respected they feel understood and we really are able to deliver a first class client experience through empathy acknowledging customer concerns or issues or anxiety or fear right even some of our clients that have to go under other procedures that they have never experienced will call us about that procedure. And when we show empathy, it really is essential to great communication and most importantly, great service. Uh, Doctor, have you ever personally, maybe in your professional life, dealt with a situation where you felt in one time there was no empathy um, or acknowledgement as opposed to dealing with the same issue at another time where the complete opposite had occurred
2: um, maybe a good example is something recent again with that passing uh maybe on a personal level, not a professional level, but you know, I had to deal with uh state attorneys and deal with uh, you know, finalizing his state issues, and I have no knowledge in that area. I called a a firm, uh, was unable to get them on the phone after multiple tries over a period of uh, two weeks, ultimately got uh, a paralegal to call me back, uh, very dismissive of my concerns, uh, took for granted that I understood the processes and and, and the the language, uh, the law uh, language, which I, I, I don't uh, Follows a layperson too well, and just a lot of assumptions being made that I knew what to do, uh, and was very dismissive and said, "Hey, wh- why do you need to do that? Why don't you just go do this?" And I really needed to be walked through it. And then simultaneously, I had a call out to another firm and got a call back within hours, uh, where the woman uh, happened to be uh, very receptive, very took the time, really listened to my situation. Had recently lost her mom, so was, uh, in this case, very empathetic, could understand where I was coming from, directed me quickly and clearly uh, to what I needed to do, and solved my issues very, uh, very quickly. And um, I will be referring uh, anybody in the future to that woman over the first firm that I tried to reach out to for obvious reasons.
1: Look at what a big difference empathy in the workplace has done, not only for how you felt. But the fact that now uh, this company the professional service the individual the owner has now almost a walking cheerleader because they felt good about their situation it was so positive that they would refer other patients other clients other customers to that business because of that experience
2: absolutely it was so easy too i mean it it took Less than five minutes of her time, uh, whereas the other experience took over two weeks to be dissatisfied. Took me less than five minutes to be very satisfied. The outcome of good empathy,
1: good connection between your patients, just like with my clients, really can result in a very rewarding experience when some other client or some other patient comes back, or you're seeing for the first time, and lets you know that a prior client or prior patient referred them to you, most likely based on that experience.
2: It happens all the time. I mean, our nurses are there at the bedside with us when we're talking. And when they you know, inevitably need something done or have a family member, they're like, hey, listen, I mean, they come up to me and they say, I mean, either it be me or they'll, they'll most often they'll have negative requests. We call negative requests. It's not that they want someone specific. They don't say, hey, Glenn, will you take care of uh, my uh, husband who's coming in next week for X, Y, or Z? They'll say to me, hey, Glenn, listen, you're making the schedule next week. Please don't put so-and-so in the room with them. It's because they see the bedside manner. They see the intraoperative care. They see how they come out. Not that, again, everybody goes to sleep and wakes up. I mean, it's the little nuances that, that make the difference. You know, ah, you know they're they're... Disconnected, they're distracted, uh, whatever. They're just not in the moment, you know? And uh, so it's always flattering to get a request. Uh, you know, and it goes beyond that, Judd. I mean, obviously the things are about dollars and cents. These are businesses. Also, you know, we submit uh surveys, prescaney surveys and things, and and every cost every customer, every patient that comes into the hospital gets sent a survey by my company that asks them about their experience with their anesthesiologist, and they're asked very specific questions, you know. Did they explain the anesthetic? Did they ask you if you had any more questions? Did you have nausea post-op? And we get uh, every month or every six weeks, we get our statistics. And it's, and it's compared to the group at large. So it's, uh, it's important from that standpoint, too. It's not just giving the customer or the patient a good experience uh, that day, but it also reflects upon you and your company as far as dollars and cents goes, right?
1: Doctor, you're a twin, correct?
2: Yes.
1: Uh, interestingly, you obviously went to the same school, high school, right? I I, I believe you went to the same college.
2: Yes, we did.
1: Right? You went to the same medical school. Yes, we did. And you graduated uh, with the same type of degree. Your brother is also an anesthesiologist, isn't he? That's correct. All right. So you're same in every respect. Most importantly, who's better looking?
2: <laughs> My wife Would say that uh, I am. Well, I I think we look exactly alike.
1: Well, in the end, isn't it most important what she thinks?
2: Happy wife, happy life.
1: Right? Doctor, um, you really have shed so much light on empathy, uh, particularly in the workplace, how it's so important, why it's so important, what result it it obtains, um, understanding that your patients or my clients or other businesses, customers, the impact of empathy really does have not only effect on them, but also on your own business. And doctor, again, I, I, I can't thank you so much. Uh, I think you set the bar really high. It's going to be very difficult for all of my following uh, guests on any episode to, to even come close. To uh, this podcast. Doctor, thanks so much for your time.
2: You're welcome, Judge. Stay well.
1: Again, I'm Judge Shaw, and this is the podcast, The Judge Shaw Way.
0: Are you ready to take the next step to creating an unforgettable brand? Subscribe to The Judge Shaw Way in your favorite podcast app and join the conversation on social media at Judge Shaw Injury Law. Have topic suggestions or questions? Email us at podcast at judshawinjurylaw.com and be sure to include an address where we can send you some cool swag. Attorney Advertising Materials This podcast is designed for general information purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as legal advice for an individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create, and viewing does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No aspect of this advertisement has been approved by the Supreme Court. Any results set forth herein are based upon the facts of that particular case and do not represent a promise or guarantee. Those with legal questions should seek the advice of an attorney.